I'm Nick Terzo, and you are listening to The Radical. This episode marks our 52nd, otherwise known as our first anniversary. My gratitude is enormous to anyone who's taken the time to listen and for the notes of encouragement when you have liked a particular show. I hope that you maybe gained an insight or learned something you might not have already known. What I learned is podcasting is way harder than it looks, and my confidence and many delusions in my own abilities are often the not very humbled. As I enter year two, I will try to do my very best to improve my performance, and of course, your feedback is always appreciated. Again, many thanks to each of you for returning every week to hear another episode. This helps in getting me through the toiling and obscurity aspect of starting something new in a saturated medium. Okay, let's get back to it. My guest this week is a three-time Tony nominee known for his incredible performances in musicals such as Hamilton, Carousel, Scottsboro Boys, and In the Heights. Upcoming, he will be seen in Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut film, Tick, Tick, Boom, and will be releasing his first full-length record titled To Grow in September. The talented singer and actor, Joshua Henry, joins me to discuss working with producer Nephew on his new record, the rigors of eight performances on Broadway each week, and playing Aaron Burr in Hamilton. Coming up, my conversation with Joshua Henry. Welcome, Joshua. I'm, I'm really thrilled to have you on the show this week. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. Yeah, I know you're juggling a lot. I'm curious what your last year had been like with Broadway kind of being down. Um, but we're here to talk about you have a new four song EP called Guarantee. Um, that's yes. really amazing. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and what, um, I mean, was it the downtime of Broadway? What led you to kind of want to go down this path? You know, well, I've always wanted to go down this path way before Broadway. Um, but Broadway came along and it, you know, I, I love Broadway. I fell in love with it. Um, and, uh, but, but this last year, the downtime did help me to focus on music along with my wife who was like, babe, like this has been your passion for a very long time. If you're not going to focus on it now, if you're not going to pour everything into it now, then when are you going to? And so I did that. So in one way, I'm really grateful for last year. Um, it was a really emotional time and but everything was sort of to the surface for me emotionally and i was able to just spill it onto <clears throat> onto the tracks you know i had my little my guitar my midi keyboard and i was collaborating with an incredible producer whose name is nephew um, nephew <laughs> oh yeah in la he just worked with everyone from bieber to doja cat dr dre everyone so yeah it was an incredible time to be able to focus on that ep and also write songs for my upcoming album that's what um, i was trying to get to like what's yeah, coming yeah. this is this has got to be a setup for something else so it's a setup. <laughs> we're, we're, we're wrapping up to this uh to grow which comes out september 10th that's the name of the album oh awesome yeah i didn't even know this this is good news i thought this was maybe way off so um breaking 
Awesome. Breaking news. I love it. So, uh, well, the song Hold Me is so good. Your voice is so, dude, just slays me. So, thank you. Thank you. How did you put the material together? Because I know there's like an OJ's cover on here. What, what, yeah, thinking around that. I, um, you know, Hold Me, just to, because there's what, four songs in the EP. Hold Me was the first song that I released. And, I I had started a version of that like three years ago and it wasn't until last year where it just felt right. Um, and, you know, the song Stand Up was just, it's an OJ's cover. I, I hadn't planned on doing any covers for, you know, my first EP, but that song, you know, especially last year, it really resonated with me to just, if there's a heart out there, stand up. It just made me want to get involved more um, in my you know, get, understand more about politics, understanding what I can do, not just in politics, but um, in my community of artists, you know, how can I be most useful? Um, so that that song really resonated with me. But uh, I wanted to do some songs that really came from me um, and the depths of me, Hold Me being the first song. I wanted to talk about how vulnerable it is to to be an artist where you want to shoot for the stars, um, but you also need to be held down in an amazing way by the people that are close to you. And so that juxtaposition is, is, um, is a complicated one that we artists go through, especially if you've, you have a strong vision of where you want to go, but I'm glad you dig it. I'm glad you dig it. That's, no, that's great. I mean, will those songs end up on the final record too, or are you keeping that separate? That's a separate piece. Yeah. yeah we're going to, we're going to keep them in there. Yeah. Good. Good, good, good. And it's like, I know you just had, what, twin boys? Did you have another child, too? Are you have three kids? Yes, we got three. Uh, Samson is three years old, and the boys are now three and a half months old. Yeah. So did that, and any of that, especially with the newborn, any of that kind of affect anything you were writing, or I mean, did that take you down a different path? For sure. I mean, you know, because Samson was, uh, the twins weren't here when I was writing the, the EP and album, but Definitely for sure. There's a track that, that's not on the EP, but will be on the album um, called Take My Breath Away that is all about Samson because um, I spent so much time with him last year he, being away from all, all performance. And my wife was at, at work. She's a nurse. So she was going through all that drama of, in COVID. But um, oh, wow. it was me and him. And I was just thinking about how his smile and how his laugh just lights me up and how it takes my breath away. So definitely, you know, there's a track about him there's a track also um about uh my mom and my wife Catherine called awe of her and just all the incredible things that 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 women do and in, in, in incredible women do in my life to inspire me and just you know that I, i'm like how does that happen how are you doing that so yeah family is definitely a big influence on on this um the epn album Oh, that's awesome. And did um, Nephew, did he do the whole record with you or did you use different producers? All Nephew. You know, um, I came to him with a pretty good, you know, structure for what I wanted to do. But he just, you know, he challenged me to be my complete, use my entire voice. You know, you'll hear stuff where I'm belting my face off and then in a song like Hold Me, I'm, you know, way up using my D'Angelo influence and Prince, you know, love. So, um he was like, yo, don't keep any of that out, Josh. That's you. You know your little soulful, you know, funky pop lane, but use the whole instrument. So that was really encouraging. 
Oh, that's awesome. That's very, and did you do that like all remotely? All remotely, literally, you know, it was FaceTimes and Zooms. He's in LA and I'm here. Sometimes it'd be like one in the morning and he's like, all right, Josh, I got an idea. And I'm like, now I just went to sleep, but all right, let's hear it. So, <laughs> you know, he's in LA, just, just getting into his groove at like 10 PM. Um, you know, so, but it, it was amazing. It happened in about three months, Nick, fast and furious, which, you know, this is something that I want to do for years. And I could tell it's been at the, the, the tip of my, my spirit, you know, because when it came down to doing it, it just, it was like a downhill mm. water slide. It was like, whoosh, you know, and the music just came out really quick. That's fantastic. Are you self-releasing? Do you have a label situation or a distribution situation? I have a label, incredible label, BMG. Um, and they've been amazing throughout this process and, and, and understanding what my voice is and also encouraging me to like, do your own thing. My first meeting with them, they were like, we just love great music, Josh. And, and we love you as an artist. And this is before I had released any music. You know, they knew me from some of the stuff I was doing on my Instagram, just little clips and little, you know, reharms and things like that. So yeah, BMG has been amazing. That's awesome. Well, I want to get a little bit into your story because I think it's fascinating and, you know, it's, like a lot of people's stories, there's no straight line, right? It goes sideways, zigzags, does all of that. So um, you came up in the, you were raised in Florida, yes? Yes, yeah, Miami, Florida. Went to the University of Miami, um, studied music theater there. Um, and then promptly after in 2006, came straight up to New York and was like, let's get it. Nice. Was there a plan or was it like, no, this is where it is and I'm just going head first? Plans? <laughs> Nick, you know we don't do plans. <laughs> At 21, I wasn't 22 maybe when I came up. My, my plan was this, to, to, to grow into the best artist I can be. And I really did have that in mind. Um, I, I just, <laughs> I remember coming up to New York with like, in a Penske moving truck from Florida with like, 1500 bucks in my account and I was paying like 500, I was planning on paying like $500 per month in rent. So I didn't really do the math that like, yo, if you don't make this happen in like three months, um, fortunately I had a gig for like five weeks that was going to help, but I, I was just going for it. And I think it's the best thing, you know, for, for me to just like get out there. Maybe it was a little bit of, you know, naivete, but I, I knew that I was talented and I knew that I was focused and I knew that I would give it absolutely everything that I had. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I set out to be the best musician and the best vocalist that I could be. And that took me into Broadway and, you know, it's, it's spun into other things, writing, um, being a recording artist, you know, TV and film. So yeah. Nice. Did you, um, how long did it take you to get your first, real like Broadway show then? And was it what I think it is? Was it really in the Heights? It was. Yeah, it was in the Heights. You see this poster right here. It's like a key there it in is. the Heights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it, let's see. I got to New York in 2006 in the fall. Um, and 2008, I believe, is when we opened on Broadway. So, but I had done the off-Broadway show, which was really cool. So I got to meet... And, and kick it with Lin-Manuel Miranda went before he had his star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, before Hamilton and all the, the incredible things. But it was great because I got to be around an incredible writer, a, 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 one of the greatest writers. 
as he was developing these new pieces in the Heights and Hamilton, when he just started writing that, we were all there. So I got to learn and witness firsthand what it means to tell an incredible story, have characters and, and really put yourself um, as, as Lynn did in the story. Um, so that was invaluable. Now I, I take that as, as a recording artist too. Mm. And how long did you do? Like, were you part, like, as I assume when you start, it's a kind of more of an ensemble kind of piece, right? When you first yeah. did your start, how long were you involved then within the Heights? So I did that from 2007. We were off Broadway, I believe. And I, uh, I stayed in the ensemble all the way till about the, when we opened in 2008 till 2009. Um, and it, like you said, it wasn't a straight line. Like I had an opportunity to go and jump out and do a principal role um, in this musical called uh, Godspell, which was going to Broadway. And so I, I put in my four weeks notice and in the Heights, in the ensemble, I was like, yeah, okay, now it's my time. And this was around uh, 2008 uh, or, or whenever the crash was. Um, and at that time the marquee was up and I just left my ensemble role and the show, all the investors fell out. The producers were like, yeah, we're not doing this after all. So just won the Tony, just won the Grammy at Radio City Hall. And then I left to, to take a jump, right? Like we do as artists. And it didn't work out as planned, but it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, Nick, because I realized quickly in my journey as an artist that, you know, one, the value of taking risks and understanding it doesn't always work out. So I saw the highs and the lows pretty early on, and I had to think about what really sustains me. And I think that's one of the most important questions. So I'm curious. So when something like that happens, usually you kind of meet people that come back into your life down the path a little bit. Did anything from Godspell ever come back into your career down the road or not? Any of the people? Absolutely. Robin De Jesus was um, who played Sonny in the, uh, the Broadway version of In the Heights did Godspell with me, um, you know, which was the first gig that I got moving to New York. And now this past year, he also is co-starred with me in Tick, Tick, Boom, um, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. So you're talking about something that happened in 2006, fast forward all the way to 2020, you know, and so it's, it's wow, it's big, big uh, full circle moment. That's awesome. And we will talk about Tick, Tick, Boom. I'm a fan of Jonathan Larson's. So I, you know, we will talk about that a little bit. So, so Godspell kind of falls out during the financial crisis. Um, what happened then? Like, where, where did you end up? What was next? So, you know, again, thank God. It was so uh, grateful to be able to get back into In the Heights, not as an ensemble role, but as a swing, which if you don't know what a swing is, that's the person that is, you know, pretty much understudies lots of ensemble roles. So I had four roles that I was understudying, and I also was in charge of being ready to go on for Benny in case Chris Jackson, who I understudied, um, who's a general in Hamilton, he's gone on to do incredible things, um, was to call out of the show. So I got in as a swing, and I did that for a while. Um, uh, Can you work almost every night when you're kind of understudying for that many people, like, you know, four or five different roles? I mean, do you find that you're working most nights or is that not the case still? No, some nights, you know, sometimes five days might go by or even a week 
go by, goes by when everyone's just healthy, no one's calling out or injured. And, um, and those are, it, that's hard because, <clears throat> you know, you're there and you have to still memorize the tracks. You still have to keep the tracks fresh in your mind. Um, and that was really valuable to me because going on to then do other principal roles and it, it, it helped me to just understand stage generalship. You know, you have to know what's going on at all times. Um, yeah, but it's, that's a hard role. Shout out to the swings out there. Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> curious. And let me see if I can get this straight. I don't, I think, I think you've had a couple of different breakout roles really. So, um, would you say, I mean, since we're on kind of the Lin-Manuel path right now, I mean, would you say that Hamilton kind of was that for you? I mean, you played Aaron Burr and that was in the touring I company? Went, yeah, the first national tour, um, uh, I opened that as Aaron Burr and also the Chicago company, I, I opened that company. Um, I would say that's probably been my biggest um, role. Um, my breakout role was definitely uh, on Broadway my first principal role, which was uh, Haywood Patterson in the Scottsboro Boys by John Kander and Susan Stroman, David Thompson. And uh, so that was in 2011. But yeah, I would say Hamilton was the, talk about like being like a rock star, nothing like taking that to San Francisco and LA and, you know, that was- uh, You got incredible, incredible reviews from that. Um, You're playing that role. I mean, Aaron Burr, you know, look, people think he's kind of the bad guy, right? You know, some ways Hamilton's the bad guy, you know, in my my view of history. But um, it's it's a curious. So how did you like do that? Like, how did you get your head around that role? I, you, you're right. Yeah, Hamilton is the bad guy. Um, everyone <laughs> sees Burr's the bad guy. I just, you know, you can't view the villain as the villain, you know? And, and I try to, you know, put as much charm and, and myself in Aaron Burr. And, and I don't see, I've made mistakes in my life. I don't see myself as a bad guy. I don't think anybody truly does, but um, you know, it was about their friendship, you know, and how much can you lean into their friendship and their relationship? Cause they were actually close, even though they were rivals. And, you know, so I, I, I lean into that. Um, and one of the things that Tommy Kale, the director told me when I was doing that was everything is fine until it's not. You know, so don't telegraph mm. you shooting him. You know what I mean? So right. I try to delay that as much as possible. And I think that really did me did me well um, doing that role. It's a role I did for a year and a half between the touring company and Chicago. And I never got sick of it once, Nick. It's just so, you know, it's the, it's the piece of art that keeps on giving as a, as a, as a performer. You have to rise to the occasion every night. Um, and... Yeah, a year and a half of just playing Amber was amazing. And like when you do that, like in a musical sense, um, and it is different every night somewhat, right? I mean, will like a, an orchestra play differently that night? I mean, what what affects your performance like in a musical like that? Yeah, I mean, you might have a fill-in person in the orchestra, you know, dum, 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 might be a little bit different from night to night. For me though, you know, I make sure I want my performance to be different every night. So I write with a dry erase board on my in my dressing room one word that signifies the performance that I want the performance to be. And it can be vocally, it can do with movement, it can be like 
ice or fire or uh, control. Like if I just want to think about being controlled vocally tonight or it can be anything. But when you're doing, you know, 500 performances, you have to keep it fresh. You have to challenge yourself to do it differently and, and not just show up, you know, um, Otherwise, when that train starts taking off, like <laughs> it goes fast and you're just behind it. And um, I'm just I, pr- I promised myself when I when I got out of school, I would never be one of those actors that just rides the material. I want to bring my best self to the material. Right. And did you um, as a principal, when you have a principal role like that and you have to sing, you know, was it seven seven days a week, eight days when you do the matinees, how do you keep it together? Like health wise, what's your trick? A lot of this, yep. a lot of water, you know, um, like a gallon a day. Um, and I, um, two things, like I'll start physically, a lot of water, a lot of gym, um, massages every week. Um, I don't, really talk that much outside mm. of the show. I'm very aware of my voice. Um, and getting to the show early to, to, to prep, you know, to warm up and cool down vocally. Um, I would even ice my voice. Like I would, you know, I would chew, you know, ice cubes after. Um, so that's, that's uh, one thing. But I think the other half and the more important half was like, for me, the spiritual preparation, you know, because, when your body is under such intense pressure, I have to believe, or I, or I choose to believe in something, you know, that I'm connected to a limitless creative source and that, that is there for me even when my body gives out. Really having some sense of a spiritual connection to, to you know, sustain you through these hard physical moments um, that eight shows a week requires. So it's those things, spiritual connection and that physical preparation. Does that include like meditation and stuff? I mean, do you have to kind of get down you know into yourself like fully? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I could talk to you for this about an hour, but yeah, even off stage between scenes, you know, of course I'd have fun sometimes, you know, just talking to my cast members, but there were certain moments in the show where off stage, I would just sit on the stairs and just meditate for 30 seconds or because Amber didn't have that much time off stage, you know, 15 seconds or for two minutes between numbers, you just need to find whatever piece that you can and find your breath outside of the, the, the noise to be able to, to deliver with focus and clarity and, and truth. So That's yeah, curious. meditation for sure. Very curious. So, um, you have a, I want to talk to you a little bit. You were in Carousel as a principal, right? You played Billy Bigelow. Um, and that was a revival, obviously, a Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, play. Um, and you got nominated, right? You got a Tony nomination for that role. How yes. do you, but I got to ask you, because this stuff just crushes me, and I don't know how you guys deal with it. The show was only open for like a month. Is that what happened? And it closed? Was it a month or was it a little bit longer? It was a little bit longer. Scottsboro Boys was open for about a month um, and, and then, you know, closed pretty, pretty quickly. Um, so I'll talk about Scottsboro for a second and then, and then Carousel. Yeah. Scottsboro, you know, it's funny. It got nominated for like 11 Tony Award nominations. So it was very well respected artistically, but audiences weren't coming to see it for whatever reason. And that is really painful, you know, um, 
especially that being my first principal role, you're like, oh, wow, you know, and then boom, boom. <laughs> um, and it, it's hard. There's no getting around it. it. That show has then gone on to be successful regionally and then in London. Um, so that can be difficult. Carousel opened and we were open for about, uh, I think, eight months, which is these days. That's a good run. That's a run. You know? That's an incredible run. Um, for me, during that run, Samson was born. Um, so singing a song like the the big soliloquy, which is all about, you know, thinking about what hit your child is going to be, uh, what they, you know, are they going to look like you? Are they going to move like you? And I was literally thinking those thoughts when I was doing that run of Carousel. Um, so uh, that lasted for about eight months, but being able to sing alongside Renee Fleming, uh, Jesse Mueller, Lindsay Mendez, just these incredible vocalists was a masterclass in itself. I was the lead of that show, um, but I learned so much. When I wasn't on stage, I was in Renee Fleming's room, who's like, you know, if you don't know opera superstar forever. And I'm like, okay, so how, like, let's talk about this passaggio placement on this, this vowel here. Like, how do you do that? How do you do this? You know, so that's just me forever a student. And in carousel, I got to learn a lot. Wow. So that authenticity of what you were going through kind of in your life at the time with your son being born. Um, and then it's funny how that you get a Tony nomination, you know what I mean? Oh, look, this is really authentic. Um, was that your first or, your, or you had, you had stuff from in the Heights as an ensemble or was that, was that so your first as your own principal? Thankfully that was my third so Scottsboro Boys was one. Uh, Violet um, was What's, two. What is Violet? I don't. I don't know that one. Violet's an incredible musical by uh, Brian Crowley and Janine Tesori. Janine Tesori wrote um, Fun Home or and Shrek, among many others. And um, I did that in 2014 uh, alongside Sutton Foster, who is just an uh, an amazing wonderful woman talent and heart and that was cool because that was I did Violet in college at the University of Miami and that was my first principal role in college and then in 2014 what seven eight years later I got to do it actually on Broadway record an album and now let it sing which is sort of a big song from Violet lives on in a recording. So uh, I get, I get asked to sing that a lot. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And um, with Carousel, I mean, Scott Rudin was a producer on that, right? Who's had a little mm -hmm. bit of a rough year. Um, and I just have to, you know, I am in somewhat in a social circle, so I'm not gonna, you know, I don't want to much get into that. So, I mean, but does he involve much with like your, your role being, you know, you being cast in that? Yes. You know, and you know, it, he asked me to come and we were doing shuffle along on Broadway at the time, which he was producing as well. And during that run, he asked me, Hey, what do you think about this idea? And it was, it, I, yeah, it's the biggest role in musical theater. And I was like, yeah, I really, I, you know, I trained classically a little bit in college along with my musical theater training. So I was excited to rise to that challenge. Um, and so that was an amazing time for me. Um, a lot of the things, you know, I'll say briefly that that have surfaced. Um, 
horrible, absolutely horrible. Um, as it goes, sometimes when you're in someone's great graces, you know, in, in a position of power, sometimes you don't see all of the things, the, the horrible things that have been going on. So, you know, uh, I think it's, I'm glad to hear what has happened, that it's surfaced. And I'm glad that he's had to, you know, take a step back and in some ways been removed from a lot of what's, you know, what's been going on. So, um, you know. Yeah, I always like to say it's kind of a little bit, especially with having known Scott and he has super intelligence. It's kind of the curse of a perfectionist. Um, and he's got that curse. Um, and unfortunately, it gets, you know, it, it gets outwardly put the wrong way. I get it. I get it. But I do think it's a little bit of curse of perfection um, that he has because he's so uber intelligent to begin with. But Intelligent and painfully artistically brilliant. Mm. Know? And it's unfortunate that, you know, these other things had been happening alongside that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk now you're, since you're so multifaceted, now we can talk about film. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about Tick, Tick, Boom, which is kind of Lin-Manuel's first kind of directing role for him. Um, Jonathan Larson uh, wrote this piece before Rent. Do I have that right? Was this prior mm-hmm. to Rent? Um, Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, tell me about what does this mean to you? Like what role you have in the film? Um, tell me a little bit about it. So I had, you know, first of all, we filmed it last year, last fall for the most part. So being able to have an outlet, you know, was incredible, especially because this story, Tick, Tick, Boom, is about an artist finding their place, um, finding their voice. Uh, in a city that's so challenging in New York City, literally these these streets that I live on, um, in so finding their place artistically and in their relationships. So um, that to be a part of this story is incredible. I played uh, Roger Bart, who is one of his really good friends, who performed uh, in his presentations at New York Theater, Theater Workshop when he was giving this industry uh, presentation to try to entice people to get it off Broadway or to Broadway. So um, I get to sing along with some incredible songs uh, that a lot of folks know from Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, in this cast, like I said, Robin DeJesus, uh, Vanessa, Vanessa Hutchins, Andrew Garfield, who are all brilliant. Um, it was an honor to, to perform alongside them. And I gotta say, Lin-Manuel, you know, his directorial debut one of the things that was really cool was he would just bring, he knows everyone so well. So when I came to do my little screen, uh, screen test, they were trying out me, me on the set and he played songs from American idiot from Scottsboro boys, you know, just to like get the vibe right. And I wasn't mm. expecting all that. So I came there and it just made me smile so much. It made me so comfortable and made me relax. And I'm like, Wow. Thank you, Lynn. You know, what such a personal touch. Mm. He's always had that. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait for folks to see Tick, Tick, Boom. It's it's especially if you live. I mean, it, if you have any connection to the arts and it, it's a really great look into what an artist struggles with in their personal life and in their artistic life and, and how they juggle those two things. Yeah, that's awesome. When, do you know when it's going to be released? Is there a release date? There's not a specific date right now but i believe it's november 
So definitely this fall. I think he's got to give uh, in the Heights a little bit of breathing room. <laughs> yeah. Let that, yeah, you yeah. Know. Well, it's a great story. It's a tragic thing with Jonathan Larson, so talented and gone too young. And uh, I'll be curious to see his homage to him with this. So, and your performance. So, Thank you. Uh, so on the musical front, you know, back to being a recording artist, um, like who are some of your influences? Like who really influenced your world as a kind of a young man, even currently? Well, let's start from current right now. I love artists who play their own, you know, who write their stuff um, and who play instruments. Her for me is like huge. Uh, Anderson Pop, massive. For me, those are like, like, that's it, you know, for right now. Um, but yeah, I grew up listening to um, and being influenced by Marvin Gaye, uh, Stevie Wonder, um, Prince, for sure. And and definitely D'Angelo, you know, who, again, was one of those people that played everything, um, did a lot of producing, like their sounds really were, were some of the fabric that made my, uh, made me. Mm. Do you think D'Angelo stands up? Because it's like, he is super talented. I feel like he hasn't gotten his place in the Pantheon, so to speak, you know? You know, he kind of, he's had flashes. He's had incredible albums that have been just huge monuments uh, for the industry, right? Like literally changed the sound of the industry. He's almost credited for creating Neo Soul, you know? Um, or at least putting it on the map, like officially. I, 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 I don't think he's gotten all the flowers that he's due. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's got interest in like being the number one on the charts. You know what I mean? But even so, I, I think you know he's just he's definitely one of the best top top five hmm. for me. Nice. Do you think you will um, tour to support the record in September? I mean, do you plan to go I, out and do some gigs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now I've got a, a few um, uh, symphony gigs, you know, on the on the calendar right now um, where I can do a song or two. But yeah, I definitely want to tour with this album with Grow. So the, the move right now is or the question right now is like, am I going to go out by myself? Am I going to go, mm. you know, open for a, a big band? So that's sort of what we're figuring out right now. And either way, I'm, I'm very excited to get this music out. Um, yeah. Hmm. Do you have in your mind, like what you think the ultimate way to present it is? I mean, there's no, the ultimate way. Yes. Uh, I mean, the ultimate way. <laughs> the ultimate way. All right. Well, let's set up a tour that goes for five weeks ending at that the small room in Madison square garden that has like 5,000 seats. Like yep. then I, that's like the end of it. Um, that would, of course, that's, that's the dream. <laughs> so you'll probably get there. You'll probably get there. I can't wait to hear it. So, um, currently the EP's out guarantee. Everyone should listen to it. Joshua's performances are, they'll blow your mind, man. His voice is really incredible. So, 
and Thank I look so fo- much, yeah, and I look forward to the new record. And you don't have any Broadway stuff coming up that you can't can or cannot tell me about, do you? <laughs> Not that I can talk about now. For now, it's we're, we'll focus on the music. But if it comes up, maybe we'll do this again. <laughs> yeah, we'll do part two. So um, awesome. Well, thank you for your time. I really it's nice to meet you. Thank you so much, Nick. Great to talk to you. Stay healthy. You too. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. This show originates from the podcast capital, Austin, Texas. My producer is Sean O'Neill. Visit theradicalpot.com for updates and even some merchandise. Also, please subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I also ask that you please share episodes with your friends so we can continue to grow our community. See you all again next Friday.